and welcome to Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast where Emery and I, and perhaps a guest, run you through the latest news, the new comic books coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shop. And discuss a topic about the world of comic books for your amusement. Speaking of your amusement, it uh, it appears we might have gotten the wrong impression when it was told to us that we should be wearing masks in order to stay safe. I don't see what's the problem. It, you don't? What's the problem? Um, uh, okay, uh, a couple things. One, the mask that you should be wearing is supposed to cover your mouth. Yeah, that mouth. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that intro is really hard to do with that voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I will make sure that Bob... I am making sure that Bob is protected from coronavirus by wearing a mask. Protect Bob. There we go. So, <laughs> for those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly comic book podcast. Um it is a strange time, a weird time in the nation. A we very strange time. Weird things going on. Uh, a lot of businesses closing down. A lot of people, including me, working from home. Uh, my house has become basically an office space for my brother, myself, and my girlfriend, who work in various rooms of the townhouse here and our studio. And... Uh, Actually, it led to some delays because obviously we got to clear the space so that we can actually record and all this other stuff. So we did post on Twitter. So if you, if you saw that, obviously we're recording a day after you, the new releases f- for your local comic book shops, which is not typically when we want to record, but it is when we recorded this week. Um, yep. So I'll, I'll try to edit it and get it out to you as soon as I can, as time allows, of course. I did also post our upcoming movie for the first episode of Comic Book Movie Master List. Superman and the Mole Men. Circa 1951. Yeah, so in doing the research for getting the list of movies that we are going to watch for this Master List, for those of you who haven't heard about this, basically the concept is we are going to go through the entire timeline of comic book cinema and watch every movie that we can and create a big Master List uh, with rankings and then grades for each one. You know, your typical A, B, C, D, E, F. No E's, obviously, because America forgot the alphabet. Apparently. Um, but... Uh, we're going to do this sort of kind of, you know, A plus, C plus, B minus rating system, and then we'll average the two for the final rating, and then obviously we'll discuss where we think it should rank uh, together as a podcast. Uh, feel free to chime in and talk about it with us. So Superman and the Mole Men are going to be, uh, <laughs> is going to be the first movie that we will discuss on the uh comic book master list um it's (laughs) i've watched it it's uh definitely a time capsule and 
as iconic as George Reeves, who's obviously his son, is the most famous of probably the Superman. Uh, he's a good Superman, but he's kind of bad at his job, <laughs> as you will see in this movie. So, yeah, I'll leave that discussion for after we watch. It. I don't think Emery's watched it just yet, but uh, I, I have not. But it will happen probably since I have plenty of time, thanks to current events. Yeah. Uh, it, it will definitely be happening within the next 24 hours. So look forward to that. It is on the way. Um, remember, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube. You can find us all over the place. If you look, you'll probably find us. The only place we're not on is SoundCloud because this infrastructure is terrible. Uh, so, uh, so places where an RSS feed works. If you can give us a like and subscribe and rate well elsewhere, it really does help us out. always like to mention that. And then we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash hit the books. I did update it, so it's a little prettier. It's a little bit more coherent now that I've kind of combined all the info of so we were we did have a bunch of shows that we're trying to do and then never came to be and they're still mentioned in the Patreon and it's very confusing. But everything's there as well as the pricing tiers. And speaking of pricing tiers, we have to give Heather Reap a big shout out for being a contributor slash producer, executive producer executive producer of the show. Thank you, Heather Reap. We are very grateful. Uh, your contributions have not gone unnoticed, and we have uh, been very gracious to receive them. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> no, Heather, you're terrible. Why are you funding us? No, of course she has been amazing supporting our channel. Thank you very much, Heather. Um, <laughs> so, without further ado, let's jump into it. Emery, what have you been reading? Only the worst. Bad. It sucks. Well... No, 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 it's dead, or is it? <laughs> I will give this to you. This time you had the excuse that it was a previous cover of the week mm-hmm. and had to be reviewed for our segment, Did the Content Match the Drapes? So, without further ado, Emery, did the content match the drapes? Um, The content... Comes really close, and I mean really close, to matching the drapes. The drapes were pretty, even though there are parts of it that I hate because there's parts of the design that I just I will never agree with. But at its core, uh, the content is decent. If you have not only kept up with every single bit of ancillary content to the X-Men since Jonathan Hickman started, but also, and here's the kicker, every bit of X-Men lore since the early 2010s. And I mean... That's a pretty deep dive. I, I mean, third summer's brother... Who did anybody remember that? Because I damn near completely forgot. I sure forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's not a good time. Why don't you tell the folks? Uh okay. So there is this character whose code name is Vulcan, whose real name is Gabriel Summers, who 
the biggest claim to fame that he had in the comics was uh, being uh, lost in the Sea of Space. And when they finally found him, he was a power-mad intergalactic despot. Because that's what I think of when I think of someone who comes out of the balls of, uh, you know, the leader of the Star Jammers. Because, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah thanks, Corsair. <laughs> oh. So, in a surprising turn of events, you're mm. saying it almost matched the drapes. Almost! A book that we were not expecting it in. Almost! And mind you, it only comes that close because, well, the ancillary content that you have to read is far more interesting or thought-provoking than what's being put forward in the main line. Interesting. Quite a take there. So there's another character that you have to be aware of. So the aliens in the the cover of issue eight are called the Brood. And for some uh, hilarious reasons, subverting expectations, one of the uh, students, one of the children's students of the X-Men, is basically in a small, mini, anthropomorphized version of one of those aliens called, wait for it, Brew. No duh, just brew. That that is this. Are you sure this matched the drapes? Are you certain? <laughs> now, mind you, I'm doing a shitty job of selling it because, you, well, Marvel is doing a shitty job of selling it. <laughs> it's true. Continue. Uh, this character, this ancillary character, this character that 98% of the people who have read anything about X-Men at all have no idea even exists. This character lets these dumbass kids called the New Mutants, he, he lets them know, oh, this thing that you came to our little uh, home away from home island? That's a king egg. An egg that the brood, as a species, can smell from a galaxy away. I don't think that's how smell particles work. Uh, mm. God, that nearly killed me. So, Hickman had the big-brained idea to... Oh, okay, this this book is getting a little lost in the weeds of, uh, you know, trying to establish uh, Wolverine and Cyclops as the not-so-ambiguously gay duo um, and all of the other sociopolitical things that we've been trying to establish with this new island nation. Uh, in turn, he has instead decided to take someone else's book material shoehorn it in all the way into his book and then basically make that uh, just a reason for them to have a fight scene because there's pretty much at this point no other way for them to fucking have one. They, they literally have to... 
and this is the weird thing now that I think about it, they literally have to be involved in keeping other people's children in order for them to be in a fight. What the... Mm. At what point are you going to start saying good things about this book? Because so far, I don't see how this matches the drapes or even comes close to matching the drapes. The artwork's pretty. The story, while stupidly told to get here, does look really cool and become kind of a, oh no, we have this thing. Ah, crap, what do we do with it? It it kind of reminded me weirdly of the mummy. It's like, oh, we've found this artifact. Oh no, we should never have taken this artifact because we're dumbass kids. Oh no, let's let, we we got to punt it somewhere. Okay. Well, I'll take that as it was enjoyable. I mean, there there was a whole lot of goofy bullshit to go around. <laughs> so there you have it. Did the content match the drapes for the X-Men number 8 title cover done <laughs> by Lionel Francis Yu? You're going to give a solid got a meh. Meh. Got a meh. Was that like a B minus? It's a solid C. All right. They get a C. That's not bad. It's not bad. We expected much worse. So, Jonathan Hickman. Uh, I really can't pronounce his name today. Jonathan Hickman. And I'm the one who had hiccups. That's true. Um, fair job? Uh, Yeah, when he uh, is doing someone else's story, yeah. The illustrator, Mahmoud Azrar. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Good job. Uh, the artwork is, again, a C. It conveys the story and doesn't do anything weird with the, you know, uh, <coughs> posing or anything like that. I don't think you understand the concept of did the content match the drapes mm. uh, because the cover is great. So that implies that the story inside has to be great. And so far, you've given nothing but criticism of this book and then gave it a C on both the art and writing. Which is why I said it halfway originally. I said it halfway hmm. matched the drapes. Well, I'll have to rewind the tape on that. I think you said nearly. Okay. Rewind the tape. Rewind the tape. <laughs> Did the content match the drapes? Um... The content comes really close. All right. Okay. So it does so not. It, it does not match the drapes. It, it doesn't. Like straight up, it does not. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like if we're we doing, need to be clear for our audience. Okay. If we're doing yes or no answers, this is definitely a no. All right. All right. <laughs> That's all I needed to know. <laughs> Have you been reading or watching or playing anything else related to the world of comic books? Mm. Reading. I've been doing some Marvel reading because I can't stop hurting myself. And, well, there isn't really a whole lot going on. Except when it came to a news item that we'll get into later. But... Man, is the world of comics in for 
one of the stupidest rides ever conceived. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we'll get into it later. I'm not, we we I'm will not get into it later. It's it's a strange time at Marvel Comics. Yeah, it's been strange before, but it's definitely never been this strange. I I don't know what's going on over there. You know, I gave Captain Marvel a shot recently. I gave her a shot. I figured, you know what? Uh, art looks a l- quite a bit different. Writers probably got a new take. Somehow, they managed to make her even less of a hero. I don't know how, but they did it. Yikes. <clears throat> it was going to be more of the direction we were going. Nope. Went back to 1600s where there's kind of a vampire thing going on, demon like, thing going on. Like even further into the past than we ever needed to go. And I feel like it's starting to go the latest Joker trend direction where Joker is not really a human. It's more of a supernatural thing. Mm. I, I hate that. And I hope that's, <laughs> I hope that's not the case. <laughs> I really hope that's not the case, but uh, we'll see. Ooh. Oh, man. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, uh, you are... Man, well, do I have some things to tell you? Well, don't tell me, because I still got to read the rest. <laughs> Batman White Knight is one of my favorite comic books of all time, and it is by far my favorite Batman comic of all time so if the sequel to it is bad i'm going to be crushed <laughs> i am going to be devastated so oh. we'll see we'll see what happens um but uh back to the previous covers of the week um first let's talk about chastity since it was two episodes ago uh so chastity's variants uh won our cover of the week uh two weeks ago and was an awesome outstanding cover uh i think that one was catherine no day if i if i'm remembering correctly um however uh the book has been written by leah williams and uh daniel main has been illustrating the interior and it's it's fine it's not great it's not oh it's not bad it's not great it it kind of the subject matter is very mature and very, I don't know, I think is a good idea at the core. Uh, it's basically the storylines more or less focusing, I won't spoil how, but focusing on exploitation and sexual trafficking and stuff like that and how women of all ages, and I do mean all ages, are abducted by these you know criminal enterprises to be auctioned off to the highest bidder for Ooh. you know sexual slavery and all that sort of thing. Uh, so you know dark adult stuff. Um, however, the way it goes about it is terrible. <laughs> it's very I don't know, it's like very watered down and very uh, I mean the setup is very good. I will give it that the setup is good, but it's so over the top and comic booky to an, a bad extent that you can't take the subject matter seriously because the content around the subject matter is so like juvenile and the way it's approached. Oh and, no! And the artwork's good. 
you know, there I, there wasn't any panels where I was like, man, that's really bad or really ugly. It was good art, but nothing that really wows you or like makes you really look at a panel and go, wow, that that was a cool idea or that was a cool drawing or whatever the case is. And there's no like big spreads or anything like that. And there is some dynamite in there, as you would expect, you know. Because of course, there you find out. I read all the way to issue six, so I went. Oh. I went even beyond issue four. I went all the way to issue six, and because uh, that's what they're at right now, and they're they reveal that Chastity works at a burlesque club in order to make ends meet and invites these women who are abducted that she saved to work at the burlesque club with her because they can't find work for one reason or another. Cause they're all actresses or musicians or whatever the case is. It's just weird and juvenile and kind of, you know, it's dynamite, but it's also kind of a writing issue, I think. But, you know, I'm not saying that it's unrealistic for that world to exist and for that to be the case. And if you're familiar with Chastity, you know, she has a lot of different backgrounds. This is just the most recent interpretation. Um, but it's it's fine. If you like the whole, you know, supernatural werewolves versus vampires type stories, this is a good book for you. But it's, I wouldn't say it's a great option. There's better options out there. So did the content match the drapes? I'd say no, because that cover was fantastic, and the book was just mediocre at best. Mediocre! Which is what this podcast is all about. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of good stuff in there, a lot of good ideas, and if they capitalize on it, it'll be awesome. If they continue in this kind of more juvenile direction... Kind of a bummer. Issue six pretty much rounds out the whole first arc, but kind of sets up for a future arc, which looks a lot like Twilight, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, but we'll see. More adult-oriented Ooh. Twilight, I suppose. Right. We'll see. So did the content match drapes? No, unfortunately not. Uh, the other one I read was Marvel's Snapshots, Submariner. Now, this is based on a concept that came out in the 90s. I don't recall what year specifically. But Marvel had a small run in the 90s where they had uh, characters from throughout the Marvel Universe uh, who are not superheroes but are adjacent to the superheroes, whether it's you know the policeman who helped them out or a nurse that helped them out or a, a girlfriend of the character or a boyfriend of the character, whatever the case was. It was always somebody who was not actually the, the hero themselves featured on the book and kind of telling a story from their perspective. Uh, this first one, Submariner Marvel Snapshots 2020 number one. Uh, we gave the variant of the week to last week. Um, this book was written <coughs> by Alan Brennert, excuse me, Alan Brennert and uh, Brennert. Kurt Busiek. The art inside is by Jerry Ordway. Um, it's very cool and unique. It's uh, kind of the art is all in that very early comic book gold era aesthetic. Oh, so, there is one reason it looks that way. Because who's the cover artist? Well, yeah. So it, it, it's Alex Ross. But like, he, Alex, Alex didn't do the interior, though. He did not. It was Jerry Ordway. But, but uh, wow, that 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 drape though. Yeah. 
That, that that's drape the, is very the creepiest of all Namor shots. It's, it's so vascular. Ugh, gross. <laughs> and um, his, his head is so square. It is so square. It's a lot of and angles. You're making me uh, just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it creeps me out so much. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, the book itself, the content on the inside. Um, I, I should have brought up the variant, so I don't have to look at it. <laughs> the variant is much better. Um, but the content on the inside is really unique. Uh, basically, the story is more about kind of shell shock and people coming home from mm. World War II, including heroes who have suffered trauma in some way, shape, or form, mentally or physically or both, and uh, kind of focuses on Namor's girlfriend, uh, who is Betty Dean. Uh, her brothers have just come home from the war. One of them doesn't have a leg anymore. One of them is, you know, using alcohol to try to self-treat and medicate because he, he has, you know, shell shock and tremors and yeah. uh, kind of big mood swings and all, all the stereotypical aspects of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and then... Namor comes in, basically, they're going on a date, and she takes him to an amusement park, and he uh, keeps having moments of kind of anger or, you know, illicit kind of, you know, hysteria, for better lack of a better term. He hasn't gone full Imperious Rex yet. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> but it, then, you know... Uh, a villain shows up using Nazi equipment and he sees the Nazi logo and it infuriates him because he remembers seeing one of the death camps and seeing what the Nazis had done um, when he was overseas with the other Marvel heroes of the time and just goes on a rampage and starts destroying the whole amusement park. And Oof. basically Betty is calls in the other, uh, the other superheroes of the time to come and help her save people from the carnage that's going on during this, this fight where Namor is just doing everything he can to murder this guy uh, because he's kind of lost it and sees him as a Nazi, even though he's not necessarily a Nazi, he's just using their equipment. Yeah. Um, and it becomes this whole thing. It's kind of, you know, the concept is very good. The subject matter is very important, but the fact that it's such a campy looking book because it's the golden era aesthetic and the, the way the dialogue goes back and forth and how corny some of the characters are. The sensibilities are kind of lost. Yeah. You kind of lose the subject matter. And so it's hard to take it seriously, even though it's a very serious topic. Um, unless you can put yourself in that kind of, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s era comic book mindset, which is right. not easy to do for a modern art audience. And I certainly struggled with it. Why so, that Dame Betty Dean's got moxie, I tell you. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I understand the message, but as a veteran myself, it's like, I don't know if this is the, a good interpretation I don't know if Alan Brennert or Kurt Busiek have, you know, military experience or if they've been in combat zones, but, you know, from my perspective, it's kind of over the top and exaggerated. Not to say that there aren't extreme cases, there are, but yeah. 
in World War II is obviously a very different situation than the War on Terror. You know, War on Terror is brutal, but it's not quite, you know, frontline storming a beach while everybody around you is dying type of thing. Right. Uh, so Warfare was different. It's definitely different, yeah. So does the content match the drapes? Yes, but with an asterisk, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes, but it's the way it was told and the framing of the story is very goofy. However, this world kind of fits how goofy Namor is in general. So <laughs> it's appropriate that the first one in the Golden Era is Submariner. Now, the other books aren't necessarily going to be in the Golden Era. They're going to be throughout the entire history of Marvel. So um, if they were going to have to knock out the Golden Era in some book... It's appropriate that it was the Submariner book. Um, yeah. But and, basic, uh, basically uh, the whole book, the main characters, the the one you're supposed to have the most sympathy for, Betty Dean, just seems really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like seeing the world from her perspective because she annoys the fuck out of me. And I, again, I don't know if that's because I am a veteran. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I have a different perspective on her criticisms of the things around her and the way she's acting but it's also kind of the point of the story so i can't knock it too much yeah um it's just weird you know (laughs) it's a good read it's worth a read if you so choose and you see it on the shelf especially that variant which we approve of very much um yes we do so yes with an asterisk it did match the drapes um but yeah that's pretty much everything i've been reading um haven't really gotten too much into other media because, again, we've been working from home, which you would think would save time, but there's just so much junk everywhere from all my project files and everybody's computers, and we're all trying to take you know business conferences and customer appointments over the phone and stuff when you, you have to go into other rooms you know, just to hear and not yeah. interrupt the other people's conferences and stuff. It's, it's, a whole, it's a whole weird situation. It's a strange time we're in. It's a very, very strange time. Very strange. Uh, okay, so without further ado, let's get into the news. First up on the news, the actor who played Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman, the TV series, has died at age 84. Oh, no. Lyle Wagoner, who had a stint on the Carol Burnett show and then played Steve Trevor in Wonder Woman, uh, passed away on March 17th. After battling an undisclosed illness, though he's said to have passed peacefully, surrounded by family. So, um, just a small thing we wanted to throw in there. Yeah, if you grew up watching the Wonder Woman, uh, you know, 70s show, 70s, 80s show uh, with Linda Carter, you might remember him and he might have enriched your life even just a little bit. So, rest in peace. We hope your family is okay and healing appropriately. Our condolences from us to you, the Wagoner family. Next up in the news, more delays on Delay Corner. Delay Corner. Although this time it's not actual books for the most part. It's just just everything else. It's just everything. (laughs) (laughs) So first up, uh, Marvel has indefinitely delayed the release of the Black Widow movie due to the coronavirus. And uh, obviously several movie theaters have closed because of this. Cinemark announced that pretty much all of its theaters were going to be closed temporarily. Um, 
while this virus is going on, obviously nobody wants to go to places with a bunch of people in close tight quarters uh, when you're trying to avoid an illness. Um, other movies such as The New Mutants and Mulan have been delayed as well. Um, so not a big surprise that this came down the line, although it is a little surprising that it's indefinite then uh, they're not putting a you know a firm date on it because most things are delayed like maybe a month or two or canceled outright but this one they're just like eh, we don't know yeah so i guess uh, it's better to stay flexible but it's not going to help your marketing team very much not at all it's like we'll release it when we release it i guess yeah so Thanks, Corona. We'll see what happens, but uh, it's definitely, definitely strange. Uh, next up, Aftershock Comics, one that we often read on the upcoming comics uh, coming to your local comic book shops. Aftershock Comics is delaying shipments due to the coronavirus. Um, a lot of issues, uh, haha, pun, uh, are approaching. Uh, because Diamond and comic book companies both are kind of working on how they're going to get these shipments out with a limited workforce and with limited customer bases actually going to comic book shops, let alone wanting to receive physical books uh, that may contain a contagion, potentially. Um, so basically, they've talked about how current shipments are being delayed by about four weeks. So if you are a subscriber to Aftershock Comics or have Aftershock books that you are looking forward to. You might want to check with your local comic book shops to see when those are actually coming out because they will likely not be out uh, when you expect them to. Uh, next up, uh, Free Comic Book Day, which every year happens on the same day, uh, is being postponed which is kind of nuts. So, yep. Free comic book day. I should have read this ahead of time. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I had thought they put a new date on it, but they actually got rid of that date entirely. So they postponed it a month at first, and now they're saying it's an indefinite postponing of free comic book day. This is being directed by Diamond, who distributes uh, comic books. Uh, it's basically the only major distributor for comic books to local comic book shops. Um, so they kind of have all the power in the matter. A little bit. But uh, unfortunately, they are postponing Free Comic Book Day because of the coronavirus, which is interesting because oftentimes a lot of companies, I know DC's done it in the past, use Free Comic Book Day as a launching pad for a new line of books. Um, for example, I can remember several years ago uh, where they had um, Batman Beyond, the Future 52 uh, storyline. It was a weekly book um, that was focused on Batman Beyond while Batman Eternal was going on at the same time. And um, they uh, sent out an issue zero, which kind of gave the core backstory to how we ended up in the situation. And then issue one kind of fleshed it out a little bit. 
So a lot of stuff like that, I wonder if that's going to affect storylines going forward for a lot of books and upcoming books, if it's going to cause delays for specific titles because yeah. they don't have that launch pad platform anymore with that issue zero. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. We'll see what happens, but uh, make sure you pay attention to social media. Uh, Diamond Comic Distributors is a good one to follow if you're trying to figure out when that will be uh, corrected and sent to another time. Uh, on other Diamond news, Diamond is allowing stores to pause accounts during the coronavirus shutdown and suspend some of the transactions they're handling, which is good because obviously it's going to put a lot of financial strain on these comic shop owners that they're, you, you know, best customers are probably not coming in. And if they are, there's some protocols they're trying to follow to stay within state expectations as well as federal expectations yeah i know locally uh two of my favorite shops world's greatest comics and laughing ogre here in columbus uh they both been posting things that they would do i think laughing ogre specifically said that they will bring your comics out to you if you're a subscriber uh to your car right that way you don't have to go into the store and be more exposed to potential biohazard you know whatever you want to call it yeah and uh i thought that was really nice really courteous and a lot of a lot of companies are trying to find some way to deliver them to you if they can if you're a a loyal subscriber that sort of thing so it's it's interesting and it's obviously going to be a challenge so if you can and you feel okay doing it i would highly recommend that you support your local comic book shop owner if you can if you were going to buy some issues why not buy them now because they're probably struggling to pay staff and keep everybody, you know, busy. Yeah, I, I I know there's the, I know there's some inherent risk there. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the question comes up is, what if I don't have a subscription? What if I was to come into browse? Is that just out? No, it seems like they'll still take customers as normal. Oh, okay. from everything I'm reading. And again, you know, small business owners. They don't really have a choice in the matter. If you're a big corporation, yeah, maybe you can eat a loss for a few months or whatever, a few weeks, whatever the case is. If you're a local business that, you know, kind of depends on those week-to-week funds to maintain everything, keep the lights on, keep all of your employees paid, it's really hard to do. You know, it's not about greed. It's about sustainability. Um, So... If you treasure these things and you're healthy and you haven't been sick recently and there's no reason to think that, you know, it's going to be an unsanitary condition, go ahead and even call them. If you can call your comic book shop uh, owners, I'm sure they will be more than happy to help you out because obviously they want your business uh, and they want to be able to keep their enthusiastic fans and employees, you know, uh, served in the marketplace well after the coronavirus stuff uh, dies down a little bit. So I just thought I'd mention that. Next up, uh, this is actually kind of a positive one. So Devil's Due, which is an independent uh, comic publisher, has made a full digital library free uh, and available to all comic book readers who want to take advantage of it during the COVID-19 quarantine. Um, So if you would like to take advantage of that, uh, they do have several books such as Boogly Heads, Final Street, Galaxy for Hire, Lords of Gore, and Mercy Sparks uh, out there and free for you to uh, read and enjoy. 
And who knows, if you like some of the books, why not support them in the future? So um, take advantage of that if you wish. And I think it's a great idea by Devil's Due because it uh, incentivizes people to go check out their books and maybe get hooked on one or two. So great move by Devil's Due. It's really cool of you. Obviously, it's a smaller publisher, so it's not like they're rolling in the dough either. You know, I'm sure they don't want to take a loss either on any of these titles. So if you can, support them, even if you have to do it digitally. You know, we want you to support your local comic book shop owners, but if digital is your only option, by all means. Right. Like, while we <clears throat> we very much stress supporting your local comic book shops, supporting your comic book creators that you like is also a thing that... I mean, of course, we're about that. We're we're into comics. Um, that being said, uh, for the sake of always having that you know local comic book shop be a thing in your area, we we're always going to push that first. But right after that comes the comic book creator because comic book shops don't exist without them. So. Very true. Well said. Well said. All right, and next on the news, uh, this one I uh, I could care less about, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put it out there in the world. News is news. It is. So two recent, very recent comic book movies are being uh, thrown out there for early home release, only a few weeks after their theatrical debuts. Um, one a little bit more so than the other, but let's face it, the the Corona surge hasn't happened until very recently yeah both bloodshot uh the movie based on the valiant uh, property and birds of prey harley quinn blah 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 blah, blah. i yeah, can't remember uh, the full the, title and i don't want to remember the full title uh, I, don't I say it the, i'm gonna say don't it, say it. it. We, don't like say a harley we don't need to say we don't need to incentivize this and the fantat and the birds of prey and the fantabulous uh, emancipation of one Harley Quinn and Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation. That's true because they kept Harley changing Quinn. the name to try to market <laughs> it because nobody was going to it's see it. It's like how many ways can we put Harley Quinn front and center in this thing? I don't know how many times, but the too it, many. Yeah, too many, too and many. It, it's botched. They I, fucked that up. I mean, I didn't see it. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you are interested, those movies are coming for purchase at home, likely on your digital streaming services first. Um, if you so wish to enjoy those, by all means. Uh, some people think it's uh, kind of recoup your losses type of thing. I think it's more, hey, there's nobody going to the theaters. What's the point of keeping these in theaters? So um, by all means, go and enjoy those movies if you so choose. Although I probably wouldn't recommend it, I, I will say this: anyone who was looking at watching Bloodshot, if you're looking at the promo material, uh, I can almost guarantee you he does not look that pale or ashen or chalky. Are the the words that I would use? Yeah. So it's it's Vin Diesel. Yeah, you're getting Vin you, Diesel. You know what Vin Diesel? It looks is like. what it is. Um. So. You know, enjoy it. If you're into that sort of thing. I'm not. <laughs> just, just honest. Um, so, uh, without further ado, let's get into the latest comic books coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please, 
if you can, in these trying times, support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Uh, first up, we have Marvel Comics. We have Arrow number nine. Hopefully this new uh, arrangement is working well for everybody. I haven't heard any complaints yet, and I haven't gotten any suggestions on saying we should change it in any way. So I think it worked pretty well. So I'm going to keep doing it. I actually might reverse what we were doing before where we had us in the bottom corner and then the whole screen with the covers. Um, but hopefully it's a good viewing experience. If it's not, let us know, and we'll see if we can try something else. Yeah. So again, Arrow number nine. We have Atlantis Attacks, number three. We have Avengers Captain America, number one. We have Captain America, number 20, with a very cool cover. Uh, we have Captain Marvel, number 16, with the shiniest of shiny faces. It's a very, very shiny face. It is very shiny. We have Conan the Barbarian, number 14. Conan. We have Deadpool, number four. What in the world? We have Excalibur, number nine. Oh, my favorite. We have Fantastic Four, number 20. Eh. Hey, your boys are back now. <laughs> the mole you, you men. You were demanding to have them back for so long. You're not even <laughs> reading them. Look, I'm just saying that it should have They're been They're on issue 20. They should have been advertised. You don't have an excuse. Oh, it, I have plenty. <laughs> I never said they were good. <laughs> Whoa. Getting the truth now. No, I said. What you can read instead is the terrifics. <laughs> you can read that. And when I said I never said they were good, I meant my excuses. It's not a good one. <laughs> but continue. Uh, next up, we have Ghost Spider, number eight. We have Guardians of the Galaxy, number three. Why does that scroll have a cape? You know, reasons. Yeah. Okay. We have Iron Age, 2020, number <laughs> one. Because we can't put man or woman on that one. <laughs> Is it just me, or the gears just too much extra? That's extra. Why? It's it's way too extra. There's no it, point it, to those. It's both extra and stupidly minimalist at the same time. It's yeah. It's just <laughs> it's dumb. But yeah. It's comics. Whatever. Comics are allowed to be dumb. Yeah. Um. Next up, we have Jane Foster, Valkyrie, number nine. Because they finally got the hint. We have Machine Man 2020, number two. Who hasn't learned that the gears are a bit much just yet. <laughs> we have Marvel's X, number three. That sounds like what you would call Marvel's fan base. <laughs> oh, <laughs> scathing. <laughs> I'm just saying. We have Morbius, number five. Probably prepping you for the movie. Uh, yep, that doesn't look nearly enough like Jared Leto. Yes. <laughs> Might be a good thing. We'll see. <laughs> Probably. We have Outlawed, number one. All right. Uh, we have Runaways, number 31. Didn't know they were back, but uh, sure, why not? We have Spider Woman, number one. Hot, hot bodysuit. Every time. Are we sure that's not a dynamite cover? Look how many there are. Uh, might as well be a dynamite cover. Yeah, it might have been done by a dynamite artist. <laughs> <laughs> Plural. <laughs> Two. Uh, <laughs> uh, next up, we have Star Wars, number four. For you 
fucking nerds. Especially for you fucking nerds. Ugh. Uh, we have The Amazing Mary Jane, number six. For someone who just wants to hear about Mary Jane's life instead of Spider-Man? Okay. You know, by all means. Like, I didn't you know do that. You do you. If that's an audience, uh, wow. The, I, I can't believe that I've missed that somehow. Then we have X-Force, number nine. And that wraps up Marvel. Uh, From course. Dynamite Entertainment, we have... Kiss Zombies, number four, with a million variants, so it's hard to tell which one's the real one. They're all labeled as variants, so who knows? This is what happens when you rock and roll all night and party every day. You became undead? Yes. Oh. I didn't realize that was the logical conclusion of that statement. (laughs) I'll trust you, though. So here's some Thytastic, uh Red Sonia, Age of Chaos, number three. Oh, there, there's some other tastics going on there. <laughs> Dynamite. <laughs> Thank you for still publishing Red Sonia after all this time and know ex- knowing exactly who your fan base is. So uh, <laughs> should we just count how many covers there are for this book? One, two, three, four... 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22. 22 boobalicious covers of Red Sonia for a number three issue. <laughs> it's not even a premiere. <laughs> come, uh. come on, Dynamite. What are you doing? I wonder if half of them are artists trying to make their way out of Boundless. I mean, (laughs) Dynamite is the transition brand to get out of Boundless. Oh, no. And Action Labs is a step below that. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't know. Am I wrong? Probably not. Now, A, we're not king shamers here. If you like the Boobalicious comics, by all means, enjoy your Boobalicious comics. We certainly do from time to time. You're not wrong. Next up. Uh, This is great because a lot of artists are getting something out there. They're getting exposure. They're uh, hopefully getting paid to do this. I mean, there's something Uh, getting exposed. (laughs) I can't disagree with that statement. So in a lot of ways, this is a good thing. We're not shitting on it. Right. But we're also not not shitting on it. (laughs) Because it's ridiculous. That Dynamite is regularly the number two or number three largest publisher every week because there are so many variants of like three books <laughs> that are all of just naked or half-naked women. Fair? Is that fair? I look, think it's fair. Look, everyone has their own take on the female body, as has been clearly displayed. <laughs> <laughs> now some of these covers are completely fine like this one right here this one done by garza yeah looks like an everyday cover garza the, the one the, right next to it hetrick that one's also decent yeah these are pretty docile covers there's some cosplayer cover for some reason because dynamite likes to do that which is fine yeah uh but uh you know this one up here this one's not too bad but 
It, it's, Some it's, of them are pretty it, saucy. Okay, uh, the one with the demon. That that one's only not too bad because we're doing a close-up of the face. <laughs> if that one panned out like even a little bit, you'd probably get nip. Well, <laughs> to talk about saucy covers, let's go ahead and talk about Vampirella number nine, which oh, is next on the list. Oh my god! Which is I, get... which is funny because the sauciest cover is probably the primary cover. Dynamite literally can't help themselves. They can't. They can't. <laughs> which you know, whatever. It keeps artists employed. I'm all about it. I guess. Okay, I will say, I will say that the good on. Whoever pitted Vampirella against a 747, if for no other reason than that is probably the hottest way you could have that character invoke like a Superman-style situation. Are you familiar with the Vampirella lore by chance? Not even in a cursory fashion it's real stupid (laughs) (laughs) so she thinks that she is an alien from a vampire world and that okay dracula was on earth as a transplant from said world and where they subsist on blood and where the supply of blood is gone and so they have to come to earth because they can subsist on our blood and then it turns out that's not the case she's actually just some weird like descendant of dracula himself who was not an alien but she's delusional and has this weird story in her head it's really dumb (laughs) that is there is not necessarily a good story context like there are for some of the other characters like chastity probably has a good story behind it you know a workable story red sonia has a good story workable story behind it vampirella the dumbest shit of all time (laughs) i have never heard a more thinly veiled excuse to basically have like twenty some covers, it's fine of someone wearing. We're not king shaming. N- next to nothing, it's fine. Just enjoy your Vampirella. Books. If if you're into it, by all means, support it. I mean, there's books like Lady Death out there. They're probably hotter. You're and not, probably you're not wrong. Probably have a better story. <laughs> probably, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, again, but, not but, hating on Dynamite because Dynamite does from time to time have very good books, but. We talk about this every week. Yeah, we artists, don't need to artists really like drawing idealized which busts, is, which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's if fine. you're into that, if you're into that, and okay. we are, yeah, I don't want to pretend like we're not. Yeah, I you know, terrible human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Zero shame, like absolutely none. I, I, do you see our wall? <laughs> It's bombshell variants. Literally, it's this is like the '50s and '60s version of that same thing. It's my prized collection <laughs> on display. It probably gives you a clue. All right, a little bit. Next up, DC Comics. We have Aquaman number fifty-eight. We have Batman number ninety-one. We have Deceased Unkillables number two. We have He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse number five. We have Justice League, number 43. We have Lucifer, number 18. (laughs) We have Nightwing, (laughs) number 70. (laughs) All right, I'm not going to get into it, but DC is on a tear as far as shitting on Nightwing. Uh, They recently made it canon that he fucked an ape. (laughs) 
and now Joker is trying to murder him, or it has murdered him, or every sort of terrible thing that can happen to Nightwing. Oh my God! Why does DC hate Nightwing? Uh, all right, I'm done. I won't rant again. We have Plunge number two. Oh my God! We have Robin 80th anniversary 100 page super spectacular number one with a bunch of variants. That is ironic considering how the much Night they're Wayne. shitting on the original Robin. Yes. Yeah, that yes. is. Although, wow. if you read Sean Gordon Murphy's interpretation of Nightwing, he's not the original Robin. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> People can't help but shit on Dick. <laughs> Phrasing. Nobody wants a shitty dick, all right? <laughs> Everybody wants the good, good dick. <laughs> That's all I want in my life. All right, DC? Nobody wants a shitty dick. Everybody wants the good, good dick. Okay? That's all I'm going to say. Jesus. It's not that hard. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're having too much fun with my demise. Also, that's what she said. <laughs> Terrible. All right, next up, we got Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, number nine. Looks like can't be fun. We have Teen Titans, number 40. Uh, we have The Low, Low Woods, number four. Interesting. It's a black label book, so perhaps very good, as many of them have been. We have Titans Giant, number one. We have Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen, number four. And that is it for DC. From Boom Studios, we have Alienated, number two. We have Firefly, number 15. Very good cover. We have Heartbeat, number five. We have Lumberjanes, number 72. We have Power Rangers Cross Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number four. By the way, I've been watching that um, The Toys That Made Us show that's on Netflix. Uh If you're stuck in the house because of coronavirus and you're a kid of the 80s or 90s or both, by all means, watch that show because it's actually really good. They talk about, they go into the history of Ninja Turtles and the Power Rangers, uh, both in their toy section uh, reviews. Really well produced, really good show, really entertaining. Even if you don't care about these toys, it's actually really entertaining. So, Oh, yeah. There's a lot of episodes of, about toys I just don't give a fuck about, like Legos that were really interesting. Yeah. So, really cool. So check that out. Highly recommended. Uh, next up, we have Something is Killing the Children, number six. The kids are not all right. Probably coronavirus. Oh, no. We have... That is actually not the... Can can I say targeted demographic of this <laughs> disease? <laughs> That's fair. Uh, next up, we have the Red Mother, number four. We have Wicked Things, number one. And that wraps up Boom Studios. Next up, from Image... Image, we love you. Keep doing what you do. Please keep doing what you're doing. We have Ascender, number 10. We have Bitterroot, number 7. need to pick up a few more because I haven't read an Image comic in a while. We have Die, 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 number 9. We have Family Tree, number 5. We have Hardcore Reloaded, number 4. Holy shit. We have Middle West, number 16. We have Spawn. Number 306 for Emery, of course. Yes. I love that comic. (laughs) We have Tartarus, number two. 
We have Undiscovered Country, number five. And we have Witchblade, number 18, which I need to catch up on because that book was very good. That book was very good and very entertaining when it started. Uh, And I hope it keeps going. Oh, yeah. They basically took a book that was basically a dynamite book. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't in actuality, but might as well have been. Oh, yeah. Just smutty to all hell for no goddamn reason and very shallow storylines. They they advertised that so sexily. And they revived it, and uh, Caitlin Kittredge specifically rewrote the character in a more grounded fashion, and it's no longer the smutty kind of laughed-at comic it once was. Now it's a very respectable book, which is awesome. And it hasn't really lost that spirit of the original book either. So there, there's a little bit for everybody to enjoy, which is nice. It's like a, it's like our little girl grew up. This is how you reboot. Yeah. So which blade now, I think is a very that being good. said, I I don't think I got much further than like issue seven or eight before we had our hiatus there. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to misspeak because it might have gone down the rails and completely uh, okay. lost its way along the way. So. Uh, okay. We don't know, but at, the, at the early least, on the outset, <laughs> the early onset was very good. It, it looks like how you would properly reboot a story. Yeah, very much so. Next up from Dark Horse Comics, we have Bang number two. We have Dragon Age Blue Wraith number three. I always love the Dragon Age covers because they always find really good artists for them. I, I don't know if they use the same artist, but it's always that same aesthetic. I'm just. I've glad bought that- more than more than one Dragon Age book just because I love the cover art. I'm just glad that Dragon Age is continuing in some way, shape, or form since the games are probably not coming back. Yeah, well, there's some rumors going around. We'll see what happens, but uh, I think we'll probably hear a little bit more about Dragon Age in about a year once these new consoles are released, if they're released. Oh, my God, PS5. We did not mention that in the news. Because it's not necessarily comic book related, but they did talk about Marvel's Spider-Man a lot in Mark Cerny's conference, so I'm going to use that as an excuse to bring it up. So Perfect reason (laughs) to talk about it right now. Oh, my God. We don't have a video game show like we want to because we don't have a producer. So, uh, you know, we're just going to let our freedom flag fly right now. Uh, So, basically, they had the conference because a lot of the actual gaming conferences got canceled. And they yep. had this very tech-heavy, I think it was very targeted at the kind of developers, developers more yeah. so than the fans. But it was very good for the fans because he kind of dumbed everything down for us, especially <laughs> if you're not like a huge PC nerd, fucking nerds. Uh, so it, it, Mark Cerny did a wonderful job. And I can't say enough good things about Mark Cerny. Like... that. The PlayStation Company is very fortunate to have him on board because not only is the man incredibly likable, but he's incredibly coherent, very well-spoken, much better than me, even though I host this show. Uh, (laughs) And he's very clear. He knows how to explain concepts and explain a sales pitch very well. And let's face it, that's what this is. It's a sales pitch. Basically. But... Uh, I really love the presentation, even though for a lot of people, the complaints were like where they had these weird fake silhouettes on the screen to make it appear like it was at an auditorium or something. And right. they kept changing camera angles to make it feel more, you know, 
more like organic yeah yeah instead of just a guy talking into a mic which is what it was uh i mean some things are unavoidable in times like these uh i think not only are they incredibly lucky to have someone like mark cerny who has all that goodwill behind him but the developers who are most likely going to be on board for trying to put whatever they want onto the PS5 first, I think they are going to get far more press than anything that uh, anyone over at the Xbox camp could probably expect at this point. Yeah. So, again, Mark Cerny, great, seemingly great guy. Obviously, we don't know him personally, but uh, PlayStation is very lucky to have him. Uh, basically what the gist of everything is, is that Xbox is going to have the kind of stronger overall system at the, uh, you know, the potential mark, they have the potential for more processing, the potential for better resolutions, you know, just slightly. I mean, the difference is minuscule at most. Yeah. Um, however, what playstation is kind of betting on is speed of data so basically Mm. it using their infrastructure and their (coughs) like insanely fast solid state drive i don't know if you saw the specs but like that's ridiculous like there's not to my knowledge there's not a solid state drive that can go that fast right now but basically they created an infrastructure that eliminates the problem of having to grab all of these bytes of data and display them every time your character turns their head or every time you need to render something. And it solves a lot of the problems of having to make repeating data fragments for the same thing. So you waste a bunch of data so you can put more on a disk because it's unique data. It's not repeating data and all, all sorts of cool stuff. So I thought that was really interesting. So it's going to be interesting. I actually think that, you know, you can call me a fanboy if you want, cause I've been, always been more of a PlayStation guy, but, uh, I think even though the Xbox is probably going to, from the onset, be a little better, I think PlayStation is probably going to have the better system overall just because of those speeds and the lack of bottlenecks to have to worry about for developers. Yeah. And everything is designed to give developers the full power the entire time instead of having to adjust variability for the, you know, the system cooling and all this other stuff that they have to worry about now it's basically it's just where ps4 they tried to fix the mistakes of ps3 where they made it so hard and convoluted to program for yeah that nobody wanted to program for and there's a lot of pitfalls in that programming system even though it was very powerful for what it was to uh going to the evolution of that which is the term he used a lot where it's more about being so ridiculously easy and mainstream to you know, convert to PS4 and actually create these games that'll run really well and really quick. Uh, that it it might benefit them, especially on the third party side, more than anything. So it's really interesting. It's really cool. We'll see what happens. You know, uh, Xbox aside, super powerful looking system for the next era, which is what you would want from a next gen console. But PlayStation, almost as powerful, but with much faster processing. So almost so interesting interesting dynamic going on um uh something to further drive home uh my appreciation for mark cerny 
I didn't know this until recently. He had actually had a hand in developing some games for the Sega Genesis back in the day. Uh, one and of Jack too. Yeah, one of which is a uh, an old favorite of mine. Kid Chameleon. It's probably literally the most '90s thing outside of Comic Zone. Yeah, I was gonna made. say. I was, I was gonna say Comic Zone might beat it just barely, but it's close. Oh yeah, there's like this game about this fucking kid who's too cool goes inside <laughs> this video game world and beats the boss that no one can beat. Yeah. All right. So back to the comics. Um. Let's see here. Did I leave off on Grendel's or variants? Mm. Jesus. Hickman got me. He got me again. I'm going to have to edit so much. <laughs> uh, we have Hellboy and the BPRD, The Return of Effie Kolb, number two. Uh, we have Predator Hunters 3, number two. Because let's put more numbers in that title. We have Starship Down, number one. And that's it for Dark Horse Comics. Next up, IDW, we have Marvel Action Spider-Man, number two. We have Star Wars Adventures, number 31. We have The Transformers, number 19. Bobo Bay. And we have Usagi Yojimbo, number nine. Oh, man, I remember that character. The Samurai Rabbit. Been so long. Valiant put out uh, two issues this week. <laughs> Good on them. Very impressed. Thanks, guys. We have Dr. Tomorrow, number two. Uh, cover done by Rockefort, who is also well-known for doing a lot of the artwork for Sideways. <laughs> Terrible title. Very good book. I'm just going to let Very that good happen. Very good art. Yeah. Yep. So uh, then we have The Visitor, number four. So two books by Valiant. So they're trying. Maybe they, they, listen, trying. they listen to us. That's a good thing. By all means, continue. Uh, next up from Aftershock Comics. Remember, they're delaying a lot of titles because of the coronavirus. Uh, saying up to four weeks, if not more, for some of these books. So yeah. for future covers of the week, these ones should probably be okay. But for future covers, they may not be hitting store shelves. They may be on digital devices, however. Uh, so Aftershock Comics, Artemis and the Assassin, number one. And then we have Bad Reception, number four. Ooh. Undone by Blood, number two. And that wraps up Aftershock. Now, this is a company I've never heard of before. Artists, writers, and artisans. I'm Interesting. In, I'm intrigued because the covers look pretty neat. So, they got Archangel 8, number one. Hotel, number one. Red Border, number one. The Resistance, number one. Must be a brand new company. I'll have to look into that. Yeah. A lot of number ones. Like all exclusively number ones right now. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Then we have Vault Comics. Black Stars Above, number five. We have Heist or How to Steal a Planet, number five. Uh, we have Vagrant Queen, A Planet Called Doom, number three. Which is now a show on the Sci-Fi Channel. That was quick. 
Yeah, that didn't take long. And then we have Wasted Space number 15. From Archie Comics, we have Archie number 712, Archie and Katie Keene part 3. That looks like a somewhere between a Twilight Zone episode and a Saint by the Bell episode. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic they're going for there. Next up from Oni Press, we have Backtrack number 2. And we have Invader Zim number 50. From Scout Comics, we have Canopus number two, and we have White Ash number three. From Lions Forge Comics, we have Catalyst Prime Seven Days number six, and look who did the cover. None Steppen other than Sajic. Steppen Sajic himself, my boy. That mad lad. He did not win cover of the week this week, though. He did not. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Again, please, even in these trying times, do what you can to support your local comic book shops. Yeah, we've been saying it a lot. We have. This episode, but uh, it's because we mean it. Yeah, I mean... There are a lot of things that are slowly going by the wayside, and we here at Hit the Books podcast would definitely want to do everything in our power to make make sure that the comic book industry is not one of them. Of course. So, without further ado, let's get into our cover and variant cover of the week. <gasps> First up, the prestigious, nay, life-changing award of cover of the week goes to Lucifer number 18. This one in the Sandman universe, debuting from DC's Black Label. This cover is done by Tiffany Turrell, and it is a doozy. It is. I mean, there is quite a bit to unpack here. Now, the first thing I think of when I look at this cover is classic Final Fantasy. It is yeah. the, the most classic Final Fantasy cover I have seen in a long time, and yeah. I love it for that fact. <laughs> yeah, this is damn near, like, if you were to bring or to remake, instead of seven, a title like the very first Final Fantasy, I would expect the characters in that to look something like this. Yeah, it's awesome. I really love the cover. I love the colors. I love how everything plays together really well. It's very kind of fairy tale book ish, like many of these uh, Sandman titles have looked in the past. So it's not unique in that fact, but it is executed very well. Uh, Tiffany Turrell, hopefully I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, you did a wonderful job. Really love the cover. Really love the the look of the book. And of course, you know you can't go wrong with the Sandman books for the most part. Uh, if you want that big epic adventure kind of uh, godlike storytelling with these godlike figures um very cool very intense yeah appropriate for the name lucifer uh really love the book uh the art there and i'm gonna be picking it up for sure however it's an 18 so yeah that's a lot of catching up to do i don't know if i can do that in a week but uh yeah i will do my damnedest yeah that it backlog the you know this what? one most likely it's probably going to be a few weeks because now that i think about it 
I need context for this new Sandman universe because I don't know what's changed because I haven't read any of them. So right, might be in the backlog, but at least we know the cover is amazing. So oh, yeah, did the content master drapes? Uh, we probably won't know for a while. A while there. Uh, sorry, Dan Waters and uh, Sebastian Fiumara. Is that correct? Fiumara. Uh, okay, here's a question that I have. Uh, on the website, it says Sebastian Fiumara, but on the cover, it says Max. It does say Max Fiumara. <laughs> <laughs> I think we caught an oops. Oh, that's a fresh comics. How dare you? That, that's a, a bit of an oopsie. What a terrible mistake. You should be ashamed. Oh, no. Oh, look. And it's on all the Lucifer books, too. Oh, no. I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Maybe that's what he used to be called. Now he has a new identity. That's entirely possible. We live in uh, interesting times. As we'll get to in our topic of the show. Yeah. Uh, Next up, for the prestigious, nay, life-changing award, a variant cover of the week. We are awarding it to DC's Deceased Unkillables number two cardstock horror Ben Oliver cover. Obviously done by Ben Oliver. Um, there's a few things uh, to note on this cover. Oh, yeah. A, it's a play on a very famous movie poster uh, for um, Full Metal Jacket, which is the kind of Vietnam. It's remembered mostly for its basic basic training with Arlie Ernie. Everyone remembers the basic training. That's, that's kind of what everybody remembers from the film, which is ironic because it wasn't supposed to be about the basic training. That was just a part of the movie. The oh, yeah. emphasis was supposed to be on the actual war story. Yeah. But everybody doesn't fucking care about the war part <laughs> of it because it wasn't interesting. Arlie Ernie was the most interesting thing <laughs> in that movie. That man um, knew how to steal a scene. He sure did. <laughs> uh, rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Arlie Ernie. You knew how to take it and run with it. But uh, very interesting. A lot of uh, really funny uh, cool stuff to talk about there if we really want to dive in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a cool cover because it's playing off one of the most iconic covers of all time uh, in that uh, Full Metal Jacket cover where it says Born to Kill on his helmet and he's got the Ace of Spades there um, in, in the helmet uh, liner there. This one obviously featuring Red Hood's very disheveled, very destroyed helmet. Um, so it looks like someone had a problem with Jason Todd's mouth. Well, that's something you said before the show. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna steal your thunder, so I'll let you go ahead and say it. Uh, it yeah, I find it very telling that uh, the damage that actually is portrayed on this cover is right in Jason Todd's fucking mouth. I, I mean. And this well, is I the- think in Emery's words before the show uh, started recording, uh, surprise, somebody shot Jason Todd in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I said surprising no one. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> like um, they, they went for his mouth because uh, it, if there's one thing that villains don't want to hear before they die... 
It's some indignant little shit who's literally only a, a hair better than the villain that he's killing. I mean, famously, he's the only sidekick to ever be voted to be murdered <laughs> by the fan base, uh, which is brutal in and of itself. Yeah, was like an, <laughs> the fans voted him dead, which... Mind you, I think was in response to how originally unoriginal he was when it came to replacing your boy, Dick Grayson. But you know who made him first fiddle? Sean Gordon Murphy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. How are you going to make my favorite Batman book ever, ever, and shit on Nightwing? By making him second fiddle. You son of a bitch. I think it's company policy to just like shit all over him. God. I, bl- I blame Jeff Johns. He started all this. <laughs> Jeff bl- Johns is responsible. It was like, they really don't like Dick Grayson. <laughs> I don't get it. But uh, we're getting sidetracked. Uh, besides being a very cool, very reminiscent cover that's reminiscent of a very iconic and famous uh, movie cover, it's done really well. It's very well drawn, very well shaded. Uh, a lot of minute detail on every little uh, part of the cover, if you look real closely at the different parts of the helmet. Uh, is it going to be that one jaw-dropping piece of art? Yeah, probably not. Uh, but it's more about the respect that's being shown to the original source material, the cool dynamic of using that original source material um, to apply it to this DC Universe uh, situation. And uh, I really think it's just uh, a really cool, awesome cover that would look great on anybody's wall. So uh, big congratulations to Ben Oliver for being our variant of the week. And once again, big congratulations to Tiffany Turrell for being our regular cover of the week from Hit the Books podcast. Now, let's go ahead and dive in to the topic. Emery... What is our topic of the week? <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. So, anyone who's much like anyone else who's had to stay inside because of current events, uh, and is also at the same time any kind of fan of Marvel has probably caught wind of a new development. A new title, if you will. Something new comes from the House of Ideas. And it's a doozy. It's certainly something. (laughs) Uh, So we are talking about Marvel's upcoming book that uh, received a trailer on the 17th, which is two days ago as of recording this, for New Warriors, which is a title uh, kind of rebooting an old, older franchise, but with brand new characters. And before we even start talking about this, I want you all to listen and watch this for yourself. If you can watch the YouTube channel for this segment, I highly recommend you do. Yep. Because yep. please do. It might be the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Maybe I'm in the wrong here. Maybe I'm an asshole. But it seems with a downvote ratio of 
2.2 thousand upvotes to 67,000 downvotes <laughs> in two days. I might not be alone here. Oh, yeah. This is getting ratioed into oblivion. Yeah, it's not a good... <laughs> it's not good. Uh, we'll see if coronavirus can kill this as well. So oh. without further ado, let's go ahead and watch the trailer together. Shouldn't get a copyright strike. Uh, okay, uh, to, to rephrase, we don't want coronavirus to negatively affect any of the staff involved in this. We just want it to be the single solitary reason why this book never makes any money. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be the only reason. (laughs) (laughs) Any reason would do. Uh, But uh, let's just go ahead and get into this. Yep. All right. Brace yourselves. My name is Daniel Kibblesmith, and I am the writer of New Warriors number one. I got interested in the New Warriors <laughs> later. I Wait remember seeing them on the shelf when I was a kid. Wait a minute. So we're off to a winning start already. <laughs> hey, you, you, you have a name like Kibblesmith. You have to show some goddamn respect, all right? All right, let's not be jerks. Just because his name is dumb doesn't mean his concept's going to be dumb. Let's keep watching. Let's keep watching. Be fair. Jeez. Uh, Such a bully, Emery. Call me out on my shit, why don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking nerds. (laughs) All right, here we go. Picking up comics in the 90s and just feeling like they were too cool for me. Like I was intimidated by, you know, Night Thrasher had a blade coming out of his wrist. You know. Okay, first thing. (laughs) Okay, comic book heroes are too cool for you. <laughs> is that not the point of a superhero? <laughs> is not the point of a superhero that they are a fantasy. They are above and beyond what a normal person can and should be in every way, shape, or form. And that is why it's fun to enjoy the fantasy of it. <laughs> hilariously. Am I wrong here? <laughs> hilariously, that even that, good point as it is, is ignoring the obvious. They're fictional characters. This was like pennies on the dollar in terms of entertainment. <laughs> what were, how are you intimidated by... A drawing. A, a drawing. Images of art of people in very... Uh, Precarious poses in some cases. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the main subject matter yet. Oh, oh no! Oh so. no! This is we, we are we are building we, a case. We are twenty seconds in, and we're already <laughs> shitting our pants <laughs> with what this guy is saying. It was like somehow this guy happened upon New Warriors, not the Avengers, not the X Men, not the Fantastic Four, not even the. Guardians of the fucking galaxy, if they were still printing those in the 90s. This guy came across the New Warriors, the who the fuck is that of the Marvel Universe? (laughs) And And thought, this is too much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm intimidated by those guys. Are you sure you like comic books, sir? (laughs) Are you sure you did comic books before this? Are you certain? (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, let's continue. Okay. Nova was really buff, and uh, they were all the edgy characters uh, for the 90s, as the as the cover said. New Warriors, I thought, it's were really interesting characters ever. because they occupy this really cool space. They're forever young, but they've now been around for 30 years. My uh, editors on the, the previous uh, books I'd done, like uh, Loki and Black Panther versus Deadpool, asked if I'd be interested in doing a New Warriors tie-in that actually poses them as the authority figures in this conflict instead of the rebels, and I really liked the tension of that. So because the new warriors are the authority figures in this story, they have to be mentoring new new warriors who are under 21 and uh, subject to the, the laws uh, that triggered the outlawed event. This new law is making it illegal to be a vigilante under the age of Hold 21. Up. The artist on New Warriors number one. Go back. Go, go back just a smidge. What the fuck is that? Aside from it obviously being a Tumblr artist's attempt at making comic book characters. We're going to find out. We're, we're going to find out. Let's also, just, let's just let them finish. Uh, the... uh, that, that, mm. I, we'll talk I, about that later. I, I have issues with that hug. The audience we, needs context we're, first. We're, we're going to talk about that here in a second. <laughs> the uh, vigilante under the age of 21. The artist on New Warriors number one is Luciano Vecchio. He designed all of the new New Warriors and gave them costumes that felt as modern as the New Warriors costumes to sort of feel classic and instantly familiar. So the first character that we're introduced to is Trailblazer. She's a group home and foster kid who is volunteering at a senior center when this mysterious threat shows up and Night Thrasher runs to the rescue. And because she helps him, she ends up in the crosshairs of this new outlawed law. And she inherited from her grandfather a magic backpack of divine origin. We picked the name Trailblazer because she's- I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Her grandfather got a divine backpack? <laughs> How old is his grandfather? And what what deity is bestowing upon him a magic backpack? <laughs> Brought to us by the ancient Greek hero Prada. <laughs> Prada and the... Uh, the other demigods that serve this god, Dolce and Gabbana. Those are the Roman <laughs> versions, sir. Oh, get okay, it right. Okay, okay. Now that we're <laughs> getting straight our pantheon here, is there going to be a fucking talking map to go in this door, the explorer's bag that she's been given? Does uh, the my concern talk? is. All right, I'm, I'm just going to be an asshole and say it. Fuck it. Does the bag improve her cardio? Oh! Because <laughs> why, why are you giving the fat character more shit to carry? <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I, uh, Maybe that's look, mean. I, I, I think it's funny. I, but... <laughs> no, it has to be said. But it's also it, a very, it, it, <laughs> a it, very it, important thing to consider. It has to be said that if anyone is going to be engaging in heroics of any kind, which means strenuous physical activity, I will completely disbelieve that they are capable of anything like that if they look like that. <laughs> you know, if you explain it away, like they have, they're a mutant, they have 
they're super strong, whatever the case is. But her power is that her backpack is magic. What's it storing? The rest of her lung capacity that she's going to need for the running that she has to do? <laughs> we'll see. She's somebody who charges into action. She knows that she can do some good with this new mysterious gift that she's been given. Screen Time is a internet kid taken to its sort of logical conclusion. As a youth, he was exposed to his grandfather's experimental internet gas. and that's Stop it right now. Stop it right now. Exposed. But to his father's experimental internet gas. What, when he lifted his right leg? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) What the fuck is internet gas? Uh, I will refer again to someone lifting their right or their left leg (laughs) to separate them cheeks to let some of that internet gas out. Must have been traumatic for him. <laughs> because now he's always connected to the internet. My uncle. He farted in my face once. <laughs> and I've been stuck to the internet since. I can't see anything else. <laughs> Tim permanently into the World Wide Web. The word screen time is only ever used in a sort of restrictive into the World Wide sense. Web. And because we're because doing a story about teenage rebels, uh, a lot of the names are about teens uh, fighting against labels that are put on them. So with screen time, we liked the idea that he has infinite screen time. Snowflake and Safe Space are the twins, and their names are very similar to screen time. It's this idea that these are terms that get thrown around on the internet that they don't see as uh, derogatory to take those words and kind of wear they them as badges of honor. For no Safe Space is kind of a big burly sort of stereotypical jock. He can but, create force uh, fields, but no, he can I'm pretty only sure trigger them if he's protecting somebody else. We sure? Snowflake is non-binary and goes by they, them. Snowflake <laughs> has the power to generate- Or they might both have a dick, who knows? Snowflake-shaped shurikens. The connotations of the word snowflake in our culture right now are something fragile. And uh, this is a character who is uh, turning it into something sharp. Snowflake is the person who has the more offensive power. And Safe Space is the person who has the more defensive power. <laughs> the more offensive power. You could probably say that about all of these characters. You mean to tell me that the big guy, big guy, only has power when he is in a group of people, and that Snowflake (laughs) has the power of sharp objects, sharp objects, at least... When it came to Gambit, the things that he threw exploded. (laughs) She's just throwing things as though she's a ninja, and she's not a ninja. She's a non-binary identical twin. She... They, oh, I'm sorry. They. 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 Me. Yeah, I'm excuse sorry. Me. I, I'm always going to lose the pronoun game here. Um, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> See, my... Who okayed this? My problem with this... I, 
I get what the creator is trying to do, but it's something that we've noticed and do we've you? talked about. No, do, do, okay, do you get no, it? Not to this extent. Okay. But <laughs> that being said, who is this for? The If you're looking to appeal to the overly offended, you know, LGBTQ plus society, great, I guess. But you're trying to appeal to a permanently offended group of people that are only going to be more offended that you're tur- turning their plight into a a joke, more or less, for your comic book character. Uh, Assuming and- that this is a joke and that he's not serious and then everybody else who's not necessarily as agended on this topic is just gonna look at you like a fucking idiot because (laughs) which is what we're looking at you as right now Uh, yeah what are you thinking here's the thing that kills me about these characters so far (laughs) is that oh wait oh wait we still have one more we do have one. we have one more probably the least terrible one but also terrible yeah can we just go back i I forgot to mention he talks about how he called the internet gas kid screen time because he didn't want the character associated with labels and the character wanted to fight labels meanwhile every single one of these characters is they're literally a label literally a label what are you talking about this is Pure insanity. This is the extreme end of what we've been talking about for years yep. as far as trying too hard to appeal to the PC demographic, which is fine. You, you it's know, fine. By all means. But uh, at some point, you got to use common sense and go, is this something I should be doing? Uh, first of all, I don't know what he identifies as or if he's part of any of these marginalized groups. I suspect none of them. Probably not. Uh, but it's not a good look. No. It's not a good idea. No. And whoever let this happen is a terrible editor. Oh, Let's continue. It hurts. Okay. Wait. Let's rewind this just a, a little bit. Fucking minute. That is a very intimate hug. Where are those hands? (laughs) This is so Um, incestuous. And not only is there a problem with the physical idea of a brother and sister, specifically twins, being incestuous with each other, but there's also a philosophical issue there where you're making snowflake and safe space incestuous with each other. <laughs> They're inseparable. Yikes. In love with each other, maybe even. Yikes. Okay. It, so I, it, look, look at this fucking Jamie and Cersei Lannister bullshit. What? Why do we need the twins fucking? Why? It sure feels look at like that. the twins fucking. It look. sure feels like the twins are fucking. It sure looks like the twins are probably fucking. Uh, they would mirror each other and that complement each other. That is not a sibling hug. 
That Be is by no means a sibling hug. No, that is a couple's when hug. He was yes. a baby. He got a rogue life-saving blood transfusion. We assume and from Michael Morbius, from and now he has a very similar look and very similar vampire powers. B negative also is obviously a pun. It's a blood type, uh, which is great for a vampire character, and it's also a proud ownership of the idea of having a bad attitude. I want the people who read Our New Warriors to feel all of the excitement that they felt uh, if they read the 90s one. Is that the word? We want it to have big, colorful and characters, complete personality clashes, uh, romance. It sounded like you didn't uh, have a lot of excitement cast, when you read the original book. Which is something the New Warriors book. titles have always strived <laughs> to Based make a priority. Every statements. New Warriors comic has always yeah, felt like a reflection of the, the year that it came out. And How? Uh, I don't think we're worried about being dated. I think we're way more interested about it being now. Clearly. Here's the thing. Okay. It's already dated. This shit belongs in 2019. 2015, maybe. <laughs> uh, here's... Oh, here's the thing. If this was a satire book and it was intended to be ridiculous and over the top, uh-huh. I would actually like this. I would be <laughs> I would be so on top of this. I would <laughs> happily be reading this book if that's what its intention was, that it was intended to be a smart ass satire of culture. However, it is clear from this presentation that that is not the intention of this book. This book is intended to be taken seriously. If that is the case, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Here, uh, Here's my biggest issue with this whole thing. Pulled all, all of the silly bullshit aside... They barely look like heroes, let alone people going to a very particular nightclub. This is a group called the New Warriors. None of them look like they're ready for combat. Definitely not. <laughs> I mean, their powers are pretty much useless other than the vampire kid. Yeah! We got Magic Backpack, <laughs> which supplies unlimited snacks. <laughs> we have Screen Time, the kid who was transformed by his uncle's internet gas and is permanently connected to the internet. Aren't we all <laughs> technically Screen Time? How is that in any way, shape, or form a superpower? I, I mean, I'm sure there's a gas outside that's forcing us to stay on the internet right now. And then we have the incestuous twins who happen to be uh, sexually fluid called Safe Space, whose powers rely on being in a group, and <laughs> Snowflake, whose power is I can throw sharp stuff. What? So four out of these five new potential heroes are fucking useless. <laughs> so... Yes. Even from yes. the baseline premise, 
if you ignore all of the other ridiculous factors involved here, that this is a superhero book about people who don't actually really have powers of any shape or form, nor are they specially trained <laughs> for any type of situation. It's a guy I- who is permanently stuck to the internet and does not leave it. A girl with a magic backpack. A guy whose powers are very vague, but rely on being in a group. And a person that can throw sharp objects, which we can all do. Yes. You could start throwing sharp objects now and literally be on the same playing field as Snowflake. Again, if this... Let's actually, by re- contrast, take a look at the new warriors that are just on, you know, the upper half of this comic. So we've got Night Thrasher. I'm pretty sure that's Speedball. And then we've got Firestar. Right there. Three of those characters. I'm pretty sure every single one of those three could take that entire team by themselves. Easily. Easily! Because they have an actual ability and or power. Uh, Yes! Or they're trained like Night Thrasher. Yeah. It's not, (laughs) I have internet gas. I got not, internet gas in my got, eyes one time, and I, got I can snacks in my backpack forever because <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> Who was the god of snacks again? And then we got the Camel Toe Twins. <coughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> if again, if this was a satire book, I would be laughing my ass off, which I am, and so down to buy this book and read this book. Yeah, totally. But it's so dumb that it's supposed to be taken seriously. (laughs) The fact that that is the core idea, it's just, it's a huge misstep. I don't want to, I don't want to harp on it too much, but it. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I feel bad for the creators, you know? The artist probably wasn't, you know, able to choose this job. He was probably assigned it by Marvel. Okay. I feel bad for the artist. The writer? Here's the thing when it comes to being a comic book artist. The comic book artist takes their cues from the writer for the design. When your edgelord vampire child (laughs) is the most capable one on the team, (laughs) you might want to reconsider the team composition. Yeah, honestly... (laughs) <laughs> the idea of a character called B negative, who is this emo vampire like character. I'm actually okay with that. I think that's kind of funny. I think it's kind of cute. I think it's kind of cool, especially that- on like a teen superhero gang for sure. Te- teen. I would say that that character, if they fleshed him out enough, would be all right enough for a solo book. You'd yeah. have to have a damn good story to justify him. Yeah, for sure. It'd be tough, but it, it would it's be doable. tough, but for that character it's doable. The rest of that gang you, you you like how they have outlawed in the bottom corner of that cover. 
four out of five of those characters and their design should be outlawed. That should not be allowed to do. Yeah. So, actually, no. It should exist as a very good example of what to never do. We'll see what comes of it. I actually think, I, I'm just predicting because this is how comic book fans are. Yeah. I bet you that this is so universally shat upon <laughs> that its first issue is going to sell gangbusters. <laughs> Because people know it's going to be collectible to have the most ridiculous comic book of all time. Oh, God. That, and The problem with that... I'm going to buy it. The problem I'm, with that... <laughs> the problem with people buying it just so that they can have the first issue of the world's most ridiculous cover... It's rewarding this behavior. I know. <laughs> it's just it's just like the Bat Dick book. Oh. Batman Damned issue 1. It was fine. It was not a great book, but everybody wanted to buy the original version before they censored it because it had Bat Dick. It had Bruce Wayne's uncovered dick for no reason, <laughs> no good story reason. <coughs> this this is how we are. <laughs> it's You're unfortunate. Not- but this first issue is going to sell gangbusters. And with everybody listening, I want to speak directly to the comic book shop owners. Do not over-order issue number two and three. Please. Do not. Because I guarantee you sales are going to fall off a fucking cliff in issue two and issue three especially. Nobody is no going one. to be reading by issue four. Literally no one. So unless... Kibble Smith has some fucking magic in his hat that he's going to whip out for all the boys and girls to see uh, when they pick up this first ridiculous issue. He might be whipping something out with those twins. Or if this does end up being like a huge joke on the audience, like, ha ha, you overreacted. It's actually a satire book. That's the whole point of this. We were just trolling you. If that's the case, great. Order more. If that's not the case, and I... I'm pretty certain it's not the case. Don't order more of these books. Buy a bunch of the first because it's going to be collectible. People are going to want that first issue. Don't buy any more. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you, you're going to waste your money. Do not base your sales on future issues of this book based on the first issue because people are going to buy this first issue and for the wrong reason. Okay. Almost entirely the wrong reason. Okay, you've been warned. You've been warned. You've been warned. We don't want to say we told you so, but we will. You've been warned. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, we just thought, it's too easy. It's <laughs> too easy. How can we not talk about this? Now, all right, we've, if you've been watching our show for any length of time, you know we're not afraid to go out on a limb and be a little bit non-PC. Oh, yeah. Uh, for context, you know, we come from diverse backgrounds, different histories, uh, you know, between the two of us. Uh, obviously, we don't fall under every umbrella of marginalized groups, but between the two of us, we cover a good amount of ground. Yeah, we cover a decent amount between the two of us. And, uh, you know, I'm personally fairly liberal, you know, so I don't fit the archetype, you know, (laughs) despite being a veteran and all that stuff who lives in the Midwest. I'm not quite the archetype, you may think, and that's true for a lot of people. 
including our show. Yeah. So this is in no way, shape, or form an attack on marginalized people or uh, you know people struggling with obesity or people struggling with you know digital addictions and stuff like that. But this book is so ridiculous that you just can't help but call it out for being what it is. It, it's absurd. It's a pander title. It's a title that is pandering to the kind of, you know, you know, wisdom of the past five years of internet culture, which is you have to be ultra PC, ultra safe, ultra catering to every little whim and woe of, you know, the world and marginalized groups that's no matter courage no matter what degree of you know arbitrary or factual they are so it's it's again not saying that any of these groups or any of these things are trivial or to be taken lightly but in this context in this specific instance it is so ridiculous I don't think anybody's going to really <laughs> have issue with us calling this out for how ridiculous and stupid it is. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I mean, just look at them. <laughs> yeah. And listen to those descriptions of these characters. I and j- I hazard you, I hazard anyone who would end up listening to this to come up with a logical reason for making these characters not just this ridiculous, but this ineffectual. Yeah. They're useless. They're fucking useless characters. Everybody by except... D- by everybody, design. Except the Morbius kid. Yeah. Everybody else is fucking useless. It's And the, the creator, in his own promotional video, contradicts his own you know, target goal for everything in this book. So I did... It's just not good. It's not a good look for Marvel. You know, Marvel already kind of had this reputation for putting out ridiculous pandering material. And now it's just going to the nth degree. And there, it seems, based on the upvotes and downvotes on the Marvel official trailer, uh, it's not going well. It, it just might bite them in the butt this time. Much like I was talking about earlier with the DC... Uh, you know, advertising and heavily uh, promoting its first transgender character in the yeah. issue of the rebooted Batgirl series, which in and of itself was a terrible stereo- stereotyping to- of college-age girls. It was just yeah, really if, bad. If you were going to stick that character anywhere, Batgirl at that time was probably the worst place you could put it. Yeah, I mean, Batgirl was expertly written by Gail Simone up to that point. And then Gail Simone finished her run and it transitioned to this new art style, which is far more like cartoony and probably kid friendly, I'd say. Yeah. With the leather jacket and stuff. And Batgirl and the story moved to the suburbs and suddenly became this dumb, ditzy college girl who gets drunk and trashed and, you know, has sex with random people she can't remember every night, you know? And suddenly she's fighting villains in the suburbs and they're just, you know, they're not that big a deal, to be honest. They're not really doing anything bad except being dramatic. And but we got to fight them because I'm Batgirl. And it it ruined Gail Simone did so much great work in bringing back Barbara Gordon as a an awesome, intelligent, uh, creative, incredibly uh, able superhero. 
on her own, not with Batman, not with Nightwing or Robin or anybody else alongside her, just by herself, an awesome character. And then they turned her into this ridiculous stereotype character that got applauded because it had a cool little art style and it was pandering to a lot of, you know, the mood of the time because DC was getting a reputation for being more grounded and dark, which in my opinion was a good thing, but not for everybody. I get it. Yeah. Um, and then they tried way too hard and they ruined a really great, respectable, lovable character and made her super shallow. And then they introduced characters like this transgender glitter version of Batgirl, who is actually a really ridiculous, stereotypical, really insulting villain. Yeah. Um, stereotypical, like, like harmfully stereotypical transgender woman. The thing that kills me about what happened there is not only in the Batgirl issues leading up to it, it kind of seemed as though they were trying to cater to who they thought their fan base was. And in a sense, oddly ended up depicting what they thought of their fan base in doing so. Yeah, and it... It was extremely alienating. I oh, mean, yeah. for me, especially, you know, I was I was one of the people screaming from the rooftops, you know, New 52 is a good thing. It's refreshing everything. Like, you yeah. know, there's issues. There's always going to be issues when you rework storylines and origins and stuff. But there was a lot to like there. And then they did this very late in the New 52 era when they were just getting ready to kind of move everything to a more Marvel-like universe because the biggest criticism and really the only criticism people had for the longest time with dc during the new 52 time was that it was too dark and too grounded and there's no joy and nobody you know the happy endings didn't happen in this version of the universe and there's alternate you know storylines going on you know right. superman doesn't end up with lois lane you know s- some characters do die and stay dead that sort of thing and I get why you would want to branch out and kind of reward the loyal fans, but they alienated so many people within their fan base, just alienated everybody when they started this really jarring transition. I think they realized it pretty quick because then they kind of went back to what they're good at, what their bread and butter is more or less, you know, there's exceptions. There's always exceptions, Mm. especially when you have such a big publisher, but yeah, it was one of those types of situations. Marvel, on the other hand, has not learned its lesson. It just not even a little. I bit. feel like Marvel keeps repeatedly making these same mistakes, and <laughs> just in to larger and larger degrees every single time it does. To more obvious and obvious extents with and, each iteration. Yeah, and I think their fans have been a little bit more forgiving because it's just the expectation that's been built with Marvel that it's going to be the very PC-friendly, very progressive, Disney-ized, LA, yeah. LA-sourced comic book series. But now it's gotten to the point where, you know, it's it's starting to become a little too smug. It's like that South Park episode where every, you know, there's too much smug in the air and it's killing the planet. And, you know, and everybody's sniffing their own farts and uh, what was it like George Clooney's Oscar speech? You know, is the tipping point. But yeah. it's it's kind of that type of thing going on here and it's really gross. And like I said, this first issue is probably going to sell really well because it's going to be collectible. But 
man, if this isn't a surprise satire book and if the content doesn't end up being like a ridiculous, you know, demonstration, a, a poke the bear type of book, then this is going to just be a terrible train wreck. And I feel bad for everybody working on it. You know, again, I don't know what Daniel Kibblesmith has done in the past specifically. Um, but I'm sure, you know, he doesn't want to have his life ruined because people hate this book, you know. Uh, and I'm sure it doesn't do much to the psyche to have 66,000 downvotes in two days on your company's Ooh. official channel. Um, yeah, it's a rough look. It's a bad look. I hope that everybody learns their lesson from this finally. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with pushing the envelope. That's what artists do. It's what they're supposed to do more often than not, because let's face it. Yeah. Us Joe Schmoes doing everyday stuff probably aren't doing that quite as much. We're probably just rolling with the punches and accepting things for what they are. Uh, so it's good to be pushed and it's good to push the envelope from time to time. Um, but this is not one of those situations. This is definitely an overstepping of the line and it's, definitely more insulting to the groups it's trying to champion than oh clearly uh, beneficial for so uh did you have anything else you wanted to add before we sign off for the day uh i am going to actually uh say right now for anyone who's considering trying to write a new warriors book one ought to consider the title itself. The new Warriors. There is a reason that that team consists of heroes that could each individually have their own solo series. Like Firestar. Firestar's got power and competency. She's been around almost since uh, the 70s? With uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Like, that, that, that is how long that character's been around. Night Thrasher. Almost as iconic with the 90s as image darling Spawn himself. I mean, just look at him. Definitely the epitome of ridiculous 90s-isms. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure who I'm assuming... Uh, the Atlantean is the the Atlantean lady at the top corner, or who the Luchador is, but they look badass. Yeah. They look like they've had to kick some ass, and they look like they themselves could take that entire new warrior, new new warrior team. Even the vampire. I'm sorry. I was like, I, I, I could see that vampires still we have having a spot. We have a soft spot for B negative. Yeah, B I kind of feel bad for B negative because I, B negative is going to get crushed by this, and we are <laughs> we are never going to see B negative again. No, no. Like the one decent concept that came out of this, <laughs> and he has to be saddled with screen time. Yeah, trailblazer. Yeah. Safe space and snowflake. What the? F <sighs> yeah. Do better. Uh, please do better. Now, be better. <laughs> a, they did 
do something we often ask them to do, which is if you're going to have more diverse sets of characters, create new ones. Yeah. They did it terribly. (laughs) 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 They did it the worst possible way they could have Uh, uh, possibly done it. Here's the problem with that. If you're going to make a new character, and here's the thing that I don't think we have talked about enough, uh, just like with the trans villain in DC for that uh, run of Batgirl, if you are planning on releasing a character that is, you know, a marginalized group uh, of any sort, go ahead. Do it. Just make sure those characters are worth reading about. Emphasize what makes them worthwhile, what makes them interesting, as opposed to trying to bank solely on their identity. Yeah, it's, it's a challenge. Also, don't don't caricature. Please don't caricature. <laughs> Please don't. Unless Snowflake that's... in safe space. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> um, unless it is an intentional <laughs> satiristic reason. That's the exception. That's the obvious and clear exception. Mm-hmm. If that is not the case, don't do it. I don't understand... How this got through the creator himself, there's just no mental filter there. How the artist didn't say anything about this and say, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> How the editor in charge said, yeah, this is a great idea. In fact, let's make a promotional video for it. How do all of these stars align at a huge super successful company like Marvel under the Disney umbrella. How does this get through every stage and get approved at every stage without any kind of backtracking or second thought or second draft? Literally no one said anything. No one said anything. Everyone who took a look at this had to have said, Oh yeah. That works. Send it on down to the press. I'm sure I mean, Diamond's going to have a wonderful time I'm not, keeping all of their back issues. I'm not sure if this is one of those, you know, even doesn't matter what type of press we get as long as we get a lot of it <laughs> situations because Marvel's such a big company already. It's not like they need more press. It's, right. It's not like, you know, an Aftershock or a Titan Books or, you know, uh, an Oni press or something like that, or a Scout Comics. Yeah, it, it's not like any of those. So it's not like they need a ton more press because they're one of the big two in in the whole comic book world. You know. Yeah, uh, they're the ones. It's the DC and the Marvel going head to head most of the time, and then you got Image on there running a close third place. No, I shouldn't say closer, but <laughs> they're pretty far behind. Yeah. Uh, a third place, and it, then, it's a then everybody else, yeah, everybody else is like 2% of the market together yeah. after that. So, you know, I just don't understand how it gets this far. Uh, I'd, I genuinely hope this is a ridiculous satire book. I hope it is. 
for for the creator's sake. Because that, that would be the only thing that would make sense. I don't from see a sales point. Yeah, I don't see how you recover if if it isn't. Because again, I think the first issue is going to sell gangbusters because it's going to be one of those "Can you believe this happened?" types of collectible books, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just it's it's going to be rough. It's going to be real rough. <laughs> all right. With that, I think it's a good place to sign off. I want to thank you all for sticking with us for another mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Mediocre. Thank you all for watching, listening, and uh, rating and liking, subscribing. Uh, please feel free to comment on the channel or send us an email at hit the books vids vids at gmail.com you can also uh comment on all of our pages if you comment on the podcast channels we probably won't see the comments i usually you know we get email notifications from some of them but even then it's it gets kind of filtered out by a lot of the screening stuff we have in place yeah um, so if you comment on the youtube channel we will see it we often respond to every comment on youtube um uh, if you comment on the Patreon, that's also an option for you. If you're a Patreon subscriber and want to support the channel, we'd be very grateful. Our Patreon is patreon.com forward slash hit the books. Again, it has been updated and beautified a little bit, so it's a little bit nicer, a little bit easier to, on the eyes, a little bit easier to navigate. I've also uh, updated a lot of the stuff on the website, so uh, I'm trying to plan a, a big kind of reboot of the website a little bit so it's a little prettier and a little easier to navigate. But... If you would like to check out our website, htbvids.com, there's no ads on there, nothing to worry about slowing down your computers, no pop-ups or anything weird like that. Uh, but there you can see all our archived uh, previous covers of the week. Uh, we have covers all the way back to 2016 on the website. So yeah. really cool stuff if you want to check it out. Um, I actually updated it. I actually forgot about five weeks oh worth of God. covers from uh, before we went on our little winter hiatus there. Mm. And um, I updated all those, so they're all in there, all labeled. All the ones we reviewed so far, they've been updated with a yes or no. Did the content match the drapes? So be sure to check that out. Uh, we do have to update some of the blog stuff, but uh, that's coming down the line. It's not really our top priority right now. Top priority really is this upcoming new series, Comic Movie Master List, which is going to be premiering very, very soon with Superman and the Mole Men. There's so many. Circa 1951. If you check out our Twitter at HTBVids or our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books, you can see a link to a daily motion clip of the original movie. So obviously you don't have to pay for it or anything like that. If you want to join in the discussion, we get it. It's an old movie. It's not that long. It's I think it's like 80 minutes or something like that. Really easy to watch. And it's really kind of a fun time capsule. It's, you know, when I was watching it, I wasn't dreading watching it. It was actually entertaining, you know, <laughs> how over the top and corny and goofy and campy it was. And you get to see the original Reeves uh, doing his thing. George Reeves, not Christopher Reeves, mm. um, playing the role of Superman uh, in all of his glory. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. It's... It's pr- it's pretty unique. It's pretty interesting. There are h- hysterically funny moments in there, and <laughs> s- I don't want to spoil too much of the discussion, but uh, maybe uh, maybe Superman needed a little bit of updating there. Mm. Uh, the, yeah, y- yeah. It, it's it, it's basically 
like a really long Twilight Zone episode that happens to have Superman in it. <laughs> so that, that actually kind of makes me think of this um, movie that came out probably 15 something years ago called Hollywood Land, where, and I shit you not, only because of how ironic this is, Ben Affleck played George Reeves, the original Superman. He's got the chin for it. He's definitely got the chin. Uh, somehow they thought that chin was put to better use in, in uh, a Batman costume. Yikes. Fat <laughs> Bat. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> Where... I'm just going to say it. There is one very interesting moment that I remember from that movie, Hollywood Land, and it was having to do with uh, he was in costume uh, working someone's birthday party, and, well, a child showed up with a firearm. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of firearms, there's a lot in this movie. Uh, I... I completely believe that. So if you want to see some hillbillies Ooh. with a lot of guns. Oh, boy. Let's check 1951, shall oh, we? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thought the gun problem was bad now. Wait oh. till you see the angry mobs that, that are in this movie. Oh, yeah. That makes probably the current day seem tame. It's very tame. <laughs> <laughs> By relative standards. Very tame. So, Progress. Uh, again... Great time capsule movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about it, obviously, on the uh, comic book master list uh, episode. But uh, we will be signing off here for the time being. Thank you for sticking with us for episode 47. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We apologize. It's coming out a little bit late because of the coronavirus stuff and working from home, interrupting our studio time and all that jazz. Um very apologetic for that, but unfortunately, everybody's kind of dealing with a similar situation in some way, shape, or form, especially yep. in the United States right now, because we're just now getting hit by it, uh, whereas everybody else, I know Europe's getting hit really bad as well. They're probably a little bit further in than us, but... Uh, and we're getting hit hard. Yep. Uh, wish the best for everybody out there. Uh, you know, Hopefully, everybody you care and love about stays healthy and happy and uh don't don't lose their jobs or anything because of it uh there's a there's a lot of things to worry about but that's why it's nice to have comic books as a great distraction uh to kind of relieve the anxiety when sports aren't around anymore because <laughs> everything's being canceled shows aren't around anymore movies are are gone uh just all of these services that you normally use to kind of distract yourself from the the heartaches of the normal real world uh, it's nice that you still have comic books as an escape, both from your local comic book shops who are trying everything they can to help you out, whether it's bringing comic books to your car or bringing them delivery straight to you or suspending your uh, your back issues, your subscriptions, just in case, so you can come and get them all later once this is all blown over, or your digital devices, of course. So th big thank you to the creators out there. They do make situations like this so much more bearable oh yeah and it's all because of the great writers and artists and uh you know sometimes we get a little jaded on the show <laughs> and we, yeah. we we criticize maybe a little too much we're a little too cute for our britches sometimes but well, we, uh we've we've seen a lot and we've uh 
had our expectations tempered accordingly. Yeah. But when we give praise, boy, do we give it. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, really, big genuine thank you to all the creators out there making life a little bit more bearable. Because that's what the struggle really is sometimes. Just can you make it bearable? Yeah. Life's hard enough. So on that depressing note, <laughs> let's go ahead and end this mediocre edition of Hit the Books podcast. Thank you once again for sticking with us. Feel free to comment anywhere on our channels, on our social medias, and through our email. If you so choose, we do accept uh, ideas for topics of the show, so feel free to introduce. We used a user, or, uh, not a user, a listener uh, topic of the show for last week's episode, so that was a lot of fun. So, All right, signing off. We love you. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And stay sane. See you in the next episode of Hit the Books Podcast. Kibblesmith. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>